tells the story now, don't you? Aren't you glad that you were on his mind? Amen. I mean, some kind of God when he knows the number of hairs on your head, right? All right? There's some out there, your hair's already been raptured. <laughs> so, so, I praise the Lord, you know? God is so good. God is so good. That's all right. The rest of us have enough to go around, so it's all good. Amen. I want you to think about something tonight as I go into this message. When y'all point back here at the cross, what does that cross mean to you? What does that mean to you? Just in just your own personal, what, is, what does it mean to you? Amen. <laughs> means a lot of things, don't it? You see, when you see the cross, what do you think? What do you think? What does it mean to you personally? It may say, all, all, all my sins are forgiven, right? Does it not say that? But you know, that's not all it says. Some people see it as an instrument of torture in the world. You know that? Some people see it that way. Some people, we wear it as a symbol, right? Some people wear it for symbols for different reasons. Some people wear it for the right reason, right? To know that their Savior died on that old tree, right? Some people wear it because it is an instrument of torture. You know that? There are some people that have crosses on them. They don't have no clue, no idea. I had a, there was a young man that had a tattoo of a cross I just saw recently. I asked him, I asked him about that. I said, I said, I said, I know she got a cross on there. I said, I said, I said, what does that cross mean to you? You know what he said? He said, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I said, what he said. So you got people that are like that, but you also got people too, like, like uh, when, when I was serving in the military and I was over uh, during Desert Storm, I was in Kuwait and I was on the tarmac and sitting on the tarmac there at the airport, Kuwait International Airport, man, everything was all torn to pieces from the war. And I was there doing some work and I was by myself having my quiet time in the morning and I was standing out there and the sun was just coming up over the desert there, right there at Kuwait International, by myself, by my lonesome, I was sleeping in a little box camper that was right next to there, uh, working planes coming through during the daytime. And, uh, and I was sitting there just doing my quiet time, spending my time with the Lord, just praying. And I was thinking, I was thinking about, I had been thought, I've thought many years of traveling over to the Middle East. How do these people know the gospel? How do these people get to know the gospel? How do they do it? You know, I know radio, missionaries, whatever. And this particular morning I was standing there and I was next to a dipsy dumpster that was full of garbage, right? And all of a sudden I see this garbage truck come from way on down the tarmac and it comes all the way up the tarmac like a ramp. He comes all the way up and he comes up there and he takes his little arms out and he dumps his trash. And he looks at me and he's grinning from ear to ear, right? And he's like, holds his finger and says, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. So he emptied the trash. He rolled down his window, right? And then, and this was a Kuwaiti Nationals, who it was. And he took, he had a sleeve, had a white shirt on. He unbuttoned the sleeve and he rolled it up. And when he rolled it up, he flipped over and he showed me a tattoo of the cross on the inside of his arm. I want to tell you something. For that man to do that is a dangerous thing for him over there. Very dangerous. But he knew. And I was like, praising the Lord. I said, okay, there's my answer, you know. But a lot of people wear crosses for different reasons. And I want to submit to you tonight what the message of the cross is tonight in one particular area. The cross means 
so much more. Our sins are forgiven in one respect, and that is an important aspect of our sins being forgiven. There are many aspects of the cross, but listen, here's the aspect I want you to get a hold of tonight when you leave here. That God loves you and me just like we are. He loves us just the way we are. In spite of you, he loves you, right? That was my real title was God loves you in spite of you, right? He loves you just the same. So I want us to look at what Paul had to say about the cross and how instrumental it was into Paul's thinking. Paul thought about the cross an awful lot. In the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, But many, but may it never be that I would, this is Paul, that I would boast except in the cross. Paul boasted in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And that says a lot just right there. Paul is being, listen, he's an influential Jewish Pharisee of Pharisees. That's what he was known for. And here he's boasting in the cross. And he had to learn this, that God loves us in spite of ourselves just the way that you and I are. He loves us that much. Paul always boasted in the cross. In most of his writings we see in Galatians, he boasts in the cross here. In Ephesians, in Philippians, Colossians, Romans, he would boast in the cross. It was the cross that stood out to the Apostle Paul. It stood out to him. When he says this, he says, Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Listen, Paul says that the world has no pull or influence on him any longer, anymore. There's no more pull of the world in him. It doesn't drag him away or down. It doesn't drag him away. In other words, Paul is crucified to the world. Or it's dead to him. The world is dead to Paul. It's draw, it's pull to the world, and it's appeal to him personally. The world has no appeal to him at all. So here's my question tonight. Can we all say that with that with confidence tonight? Can we all say what Paul said with confidence tonight? That the world doesn't have a pull on me. Can you say that tonight? Does the world have a hold on you? Are there things in this world you can't seem to let go of? Are there things you can't let go of? Paul, listen, he grasped by the Holy Spirit in him all the work that Jesus accomplished on that old cross. And this is just one aspect I wanted to share with you tonight as we celebrate the cross together. I know you're probably like, Brother Phil, come on, celebrate the cross? Yes. We're going to celebrate the cross. How do we celebrate a cross that Jesus, our Savior, dies like a criminal and is crucified on? It's an instrument of death. No, no, it's much more than that. In fact, it's not about the cross as much as it's about the person that's hanging on the cross. Much more about him. He loves you, each and every one of you, just like you are tonight. This is what the message of the cross is all about. Why? Because God loves each one of us without condition. No condition. He loves us unconditionally. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that tonight? There's nothing in you and I can do to make God love you any more than He already loves you. He loves you perfectly. He loves you in spite of you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless, everybody say helpless. helpless. 
at the right time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. That's what he did. You see, here is who God loves. Here is who God loves. I want you to think about this here. You might want to write it down. Number one, he loves the helpless. He loves the helpless. We are all helpless in our sin. Listen, we can't fix or remove our sin. That's impossible. We have no ability to remove sin out of our life. Zero. We have nothing to offer God but our sin. That's all we have to offer God is our sin. We are helpless to remove any of it. Any of the garbage in our life, we, we cannot remove it. Nothing we can do can remove it. You and I have nothing to offer God. And that's the beauty of God's love for us. That he would come to us. Get this. And number two, his love is expressed through the ungodly. His love is definitely expressed through the ungodly. Listen, sin in Genesis, in the garden, destroyed the image of God in all of us. You ever think about that? Remember how God made us in the beginning? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, he said, God created man in his own image. He created all of us in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were perfect and we were pure before sin had entered into Adam and Eve. But when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in the garden, they rebelled against the holy God. And it changed everything for the rest of time on this planet. And every person born is born with a nature to sin and not do good. I want you to think about that tonight. Sin destroyed that image in all of us. In fact, the only thing we have to offer is our sin, and that's terrible. You and I don't shine with the life of Jesus from within. Sinners are those who are rebellious to God. And the Bible teaches us in Romans 3.23, right? For who? All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. This is what God is saying. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. All of us. Include this big old boy up here. I remember Apostle Paul saying, I'm the chiefest among sinners. Can you imagine Apostle Paul saying that? We all have fallen short. Amen? We all like sheep have gone astray. We were sinners at the very start of our little lives. Amen? Sinners live to the very dictates of selfishness. That was me. That was my problem for years and years. Self-centeredness. I was selfish. I wanted to please me, myself, and I. That was me. Until the Lord brought me down and showed me who he was. That's what I wanted to do. And God says in the cross that he loves his enemies, the sinner. Amen. Hard to grasp that. In Romans 5.10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were what? Reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more have been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen, our hearts are desperately, deceitfully, and wicked. That's what the Bible says. We're an enemy of a holy God. We were born with a bent away from God. Not to God, but away from God. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it clearly in the Old Testament. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? Folks, that's you and me and everyone in the world. It's amazing. In Romans 3, 10, 11 describes the unbeliever here. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, 
Not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There is no, not one. Not one. We are yet born, but listen, so far away from God. Born, bent away from Jesus. This describes the unbeliever. None does good, not even one. And he says we don't have the ability within ourselves and the capacity to do good. In fact, verse 13 says, Their throat is what? An open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving the poison of asps under their lips. He says they are full of death. Their throats are an open grave is what he is saying here. Look at Titus chapter 3 verse 3. For we also, listen, once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. It describes us to the T. Think about this. What kind of people does God love? Listen, we're all enemies. All of us are enemies of God. Helpless and hopeless sinners. Driven people by our own nature. Listen, we were trashy, we were filthy. Filthy rags, right? Living by our five senses. That's what we were. Listen, I was into me, myself, and I. That's who I was. But here's the message of the cross. And I love this. From the cross, listen, from Jesus to each and every one of us here tonight, that God loves each and every one of us. He loves us. We must receive it, accept it, grasp it in your little life. We must do that. Think, listen, he reached way down from heaven and loved us all. Unconditional love, unmerited. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. He loves even you. Nothing good in any one of us. Listen, there was nothing that motivated God to love us. God wasn't motivated to love us. He expressed his love all because that is his holy nature. That's who he is. He's a God of love. He is love. God loved us knowing the vast majority of us would reject him all the way to the grave. Yet he loves us still. Think about that. In John 3.16, he said, For God so what? Love the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That's exactly right. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting, eternal life. Forever life. For God so loved the world. Listen, we lose ourselves in our humanity. That's what we do. We lose ourselves in our own humanity. That's where we lose ourselves. Who we are. What am I to God? Insignificant? No way. There's not a person in here that's insignificant to God. Not one person in this place is insignificant to God. God loves us the way we are. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He doesn't like what we do. But he loves us just like we are. Failures, faults, past sins, whatever it is. God loves you completely and fully. And sometimes we don't see God that way. I want you to see him how he is. God loves us to save us. Not to leave us in our condition. He saves us out of our condition. He loves us to get us out of that condition of what we're in, the sin. He loves us the way we are, and we can't improve on self. None of us can improve on ourselves. Delivering us by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you and I can never live it. We can never live the Christian life. No person, this preacher cannot 
live the Christian life apart from Jesus. I can't do anything apart from Jesus. We know that because John 15, 5, one of my favorite anchor verses, right? I'm the vine, you're the branch, you abide me, I abide in you, I bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do what? Nothing. Something, no. Jesus himself, out of his own lips, said, apart from me, you can do nothing. It takes his power manifested in us to even live and breathe. Isn't it amazing? Don't you love that? He loves us. We can't improve us. Not apart from God. We cannot. You, can't, you just can't improve yourself. Listen, just when you think you have mastered self, guess what the enemy does? He works on something else that gets it all away, right? I experienced some of that Wednesday when we were up here practicing for the music tonight. Nothing was right. Nothing. There was nothing was right. I couldn't get the music right. Couldn't get the printer to work. Couldn't pull all the music off. Couldn't, I was all discombobulated. Everything. My battery quit on my guitar, so I had to switch it out. Then I set it out, and it fell over. So it fell over. The Barbara's lights went out in her light, and she had to replace the batteries in it. We couldn't. It was like I kept telling him. I said, "This is a test. <laughs> this is a test. This is a test." Uh, you know. I didn't. It wasn't fun. But, you know, you got to trust the Lord. Sometimes things just don't go right. In, in Romans 5, verses 6, 6, it says, For a while we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Look at verse 7, though. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. There are people in our military and people in society who will die for good people laying their lives down, listen, for a nation and nation's people or family. Die for good people. There are people who die for good people. And that's an admirable thing. Listen, courage and valor are a very admirable thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the kicker, and I want you to get this tonight. While people will die for their families and friends, how many of you know people who would die for their enemy? How many people know who would die for their enemy? I don't know anybody except for Jesus. Let that sink into your heart. Hey, God did that. He did it. Listen, he did not wait for you to get right. You ever meet people say, I'm going to get right and I'll come to church. No. Jesus wants you to come just like you are. And he loves you just like you are. And he's trying to, he's trying to let you know how much he loves you. He just loves you so much he don't want to leave you where you're at. He wants you to know him first. He wants you to know him as Savior first. And then he wants you to know him as Lord. He want, and here's not, not that he would lord over you, but he wants to know you, listen, as Lord, because he wants you to know him and his love that he has that is abundant and clear for each and every one of us. He loves us perfectly. He loves us fully. You're not going to find anybody else. You're not going to find a mate that's going to love you like Jesus will love you. That's why I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven. Because when I get to heaven, I believe I'm going to know Sister Denine more fully than I'll, listen, than I'll know her down here. And she's going to know me more fully than she could ever know me down here. Because we'll be perfectly supernatural. We'll be there. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to tell you, God, we're going to, have a, we're going to know each other perfectly. It's going to be at another level. 
It's another level. It's another realm. It's another dimension. It's a whole different place. And we can't even describe it. Nor, nor could John in Revelation. He could describe the humanly possible the way he could for us to try to comprehend at least just a teeny little bit, right? We'll have a lot of folks that come to church and they feel like they need to clean themselves up before they come. Boy, I hate to hear that. Jesus died for that good-for-nothing, hell-deserving sinner. That's you and me. All of us. Sinners and enemies is what we were or are or are, right? We were still enemies to God. God reached down in his unconditional love through the cross of his only begotten son, Jesus. And he did that for you and me. Nothing anyone could ever do or see would do what the cross had done. Listen for us. This, folks, is what was God's unconditional demonstration of love for all of us. It was the cross. The cross. God and his eternal love reaching down like no one else ever in history or in the future. Think about that. God loves you and me, and he sent his only begotten son to the world for to die for you and me. So that we could not experience the death on that cross. So we wouldn't have to experience the death that he experienced. Everything hurt. Everything hurt Jesus. Think about that. From the crown of thorns thrusted in his skull, listen, to the pierced, nail-pierced hands and feet, and the spear thrust in his side, the beatings that he took, everything hurt, and he hurt, and he took every lash, every licking, every beating, every nail, and he, he was thinking about you. When he was on that cross, you were on his mind. I believe that. So God says, what can I do to demonstrate my love for mankind? You know what God says? And it wasn't just dying on the cross is what he could do. Think about this. God demonstrated his love for all mankind by turning his very back on his only begotten son. The perfect Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He took your sin and my sin on a cross. He's hanging there. And there was a moment on that cross where God, Jehovah, had to turn his back from his only son. How many of you could turn your back away from your son? We were guilty before God. God in Jesus paid the fine for me for all eternity and for you. It was the only way. Jesus himself wished there was another way in the garden, right? He said, let this cup pass from me. But he said, Lord, let your will be done. Right? We know that. It's the only way. The greatest demonstration of the love of God, he sent his only begotten son and turned his back on him. The Apostle Paul only has one message, and it's the cross. Listen, everything you will ever have in life, anything and everything you have in life, will all come to you through the cross of Jesus Christ. Every single thing. Listen, Jesus did not come to call the righteous, but who? He didn't come to call good people. In fact, the Bible says there's none good, not one. There's not even one. The message of that cross is that God loves you in spite of you. Just as you are. Guilty, confused, broken, battered, misunderstood. Listen, weak, poor, and lost. He loves you. You can't fix you. You never can, and you never will. Ever. 
You are never good enough. God loves you, just you, just the way you are. And I know, you know, he said, brother, that don't make sense. It's not supposed to. I know, it don't make sense to me. I throw me in hell. <laughs> when I think back in my life and my past, and how God transformed my life, changed me. See, we must turn and trust Jesus with our whole being for the rest of our lives. Just simple as that. To believe that Jesus died on that cross for you, turn your life over to him, surrender your life to him, repent of your sin, which means to turn around and leave your sin and chase after God with your whole being. And watch what God does in your life. Watch how he changes and transforms your life. It's wonderful. He loves you. You won't grasp it until you know how much he loves you. And it comes through the cross. Just accept it, believing that he died for you, because he did. So what I want us to do now is just to bow your heads at this time. I never come into the service assuming everybody in this service knows Jesus is Savior. And so I just want to take time. This old boy here wasn't good enough. God dealt with my heart one time and I had to lay my body down in a hotel room in Siganella, Sicily. And I got on the carpet floor of this nasty hotel. And I turned my life over to Jesus. It was at that moment I understood that Jesus died on the tree for me and shed his blood to wash away all my sin. And not only did he wash away my sin, when I received him as my Savior, his blood covered my body. So that from this moment forward, when God looks at me, he sees the blood that is applied to me. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all lied at some point in our life. We've all stolen at some point in our life. We've all done something against God's moral standard. And if you have, you can't get rid of it. But here's the beauty Jesus already did. 2,000 years ago, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. He's in the future looking back at the cross. And he said, I'm crucified with Christ. That means all of us in this room are crucified with Jesus. Every sin you've ever committed in mind, past sin, today's sin, tomorrow's sin, was on the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Receive Jesus as your Savior tonight. Ask Him to come into your heart. And He will come into your heart. And He will transform your life and your mind from the inside out. Would you ask Him to come into your heart tonight? I can't save you. This preacher can't say a prayer that would save any person in here. You've got to talk to God on your own behalf. And you've got to ask him to come into your life. Would you do that tonight? I'm going to give you a minute just to do that tonight. Tell him, say, Lord, I hear what Brother Phil said. And I believe you died on that cross for me. 
Lord, I don't know all about all this stuff, but I trust you tonight as my Savior. If anybody would go up and hang on a tree like that who was sinless for the sins of the world, I want to come to you tonight, Lord, and give myself unto you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash me clean. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried in the tomb. And I believe, like we're going to celebrate in a couple days, that you rose from the dead, overcoming death, hell, and the grave forever. Come into my life, Jesus. I trust you tonight. I take the grace of God by the faith that I have to believe that you did that just for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me tonight. every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want my intention, I don't want to embarrass anybody tonight, but just me and no one's looking. If anyone received Christ as Savior tonight, would you just signify that by just lifting your hand to me? Anybody? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Now's the time. What a great time to be saved. Amen. Good Friday, when he died on the cross for you and for me. Passover time. I want to take this time before we come up for the Lord's Supper while we're still praying. I want you Christians to make sure your lives appear before you partake of the Lord's Supper tonight. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Jesus that are here tonight. A joy of my heart that we can celebrate together this supper that you instituted 2,000 years ago. Lord, this is something that was instituted even before that, 3,400 years ago. But Lord, when you had the last supper with your disciples, Lord, you instituted this Lord's Supper for us to remember you. And Lord, we want to remember you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Gentlemen, I want to thank you. At this time, you know, the, the disciples, when they finished having the Lord's Supper, it says that they sang a song. Amen. So we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a little something a little different tonight. And what I want to encourage you is, we're starting on this side of the room, we have some candle lights up here in the front. Sister Cena's going to come up, and she's going to give you a candle. And you're going to take it back to your seat, and we're going to have a little candlelight moment tonight as you reflect upon what this night means and represents that you would allow Jesus Christ the Lord of glory to shine in your heart and to shine in your life we'll start from this side and we will we'll start this song here in a minute the words will be up on the screen you can sing with us Me. 
sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your side so you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne and filled it here inside at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had The blood applied. Thank you, Jesus. It is washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious life Amen You took my place laid inside my tomb of sin You were buried for three days but then you walked right out again and now death and life has no end for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it is washed
we thank you. As we think about you, Lord, tonight, we thank you from the depth of our heart and the depth of the love that we have for a Savior who gave his life a ransom for many. And Lord, we were the many. Oh, we never repay. And the best thing we can do is to bring glory and praise and walk in obedience and humbleness in the presence of the world, sharing your message that you commissioned us to share to a lost world. Use us, Lord, for your glory. Protect us from the evil. May we think about the rest of this night. We lay our head down tonight. We think about the agony that you suffered to give me and all of us eternal, everlasting life. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for it all. We thank you for the service. Lord, we lift up the neighborhood party tomorrow here at the grounds between 11 and 1. Lord, there will be neighborhood families coming here that have no clue who you are. And, Lord, we have an opportunity to make you famous to them by sharing your story through all of our stories as we minister to our folks tomorrow. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Sinners that didn't deserve it. We do not deserve it. But Lord, your love proved mighty and strong to save an old wretched man like me, like all of us, Father. We thank you. Go with us now. Help us to get home safely. And thank you for this precious time together with the family of God. I praise you for it all in Jesus' name. And all God's children said tonight, Amen. Well, everybody is free to go. Thank you so much for coming tonight.